Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Luke chapter number seven, and we're going to pick up our reading in verse 36, and I want to read all the way down to verse 50, and then we'll spend uh, our portion, our time together today in this portion of scripture. Luke chapter number seven, beginning in verse 36, here's what the Bible says. It says, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee saw which had bidden now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. He saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. She hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Mine head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. I'd like to preach this morning on this topic, the grace of Christ, the grace of Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can worship your holy name with our brothers and sisters and our friends who are gathered with us today. Lord, I pray that as we take this time to dive into your word, that you teach us from your word. Father, that by the Holy Spirit, we would see Christ lifted up again today. Lord, I pray that you give me the words I need to say in Christ's name, amen. To receive unmerited kindness and favor is to receive grace, right? From time to time, we experience this from other people around us in small ways. Someone uh, pays for your food in the drive-thru or pays for your coffee at the drive-thru. That in a small way is grace. It's unmerited favor. Someone lets you go first at an intersection. First, that's a miracle. Second, that was grace. You're at the grocery store and you have one or two items and someone may let let you check out before them with their buggy full of items. That is kind of like grace. Sometimes we even get to sit on the side of the road, parked in front of a shiny car, after having gone 20 miles an hour over the speed limit on a back road at four in the morning and simply be told to slow it down. Why are those details so specific? I do not know, but that was grace. That was grace and mercy, to be honest with you. We literally run into grace all the time. It's everywhere and we don't even recognize it. 
However, in our passage today, we find a woman who encounters grace embodied very much on purpose and her experience with Jesus Christ and the grace of Christ transforms her life forever because to encounter the grace of Jesus Christ is to be dramatically changed at the soul level. Friend, you cannot run into the grace of Jesus Christ without it shaking up your life. So my question is, have you personally encountered the grace of Jesus Christ? Can you truly say that his grace has changed you? Now, in Luke chapter number seven, our text today, the context of this passage is almost identical to Matthew chapter number 11, where we studied last week. Uh, earlier in this passage, Christ heals a centurion servant, displaying his grace to this man. The next day, Jesus is traveling and he finds a group of people walking behind a weeping mother as she follows her son's casket to its grave. And he showed compassion and displayed grace to this woman by raising her son from the dead. In verses 18 through verse 35, we see almost the exact discourse of Christ as we saw last week in Matthew chapter number 11, where he speaks to John's disciples, he commends John to the crowd, and he responds to the accusation of that generation. And now in verse number 36, Jesus has been invited to a meal at a Pharisee's house and he accepts. And it's at this meal that Christ displays great kindness, compassion, and grace to a woman that honestly shouldn't have even been there. And as we look at this account, I wanna see three demonstrations of the grace of Christ that he extends to each of us today. Number one, we see that Christ welcomes sinners. Look at verse number 36, the Bible says, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Okay, so picture this, Christ is sitting at table. He's there with the Pharisees and with this Pharisee named Simon and a number of other people. He's sharing this meal with them and in the door walks a woman that apparently everyone immediately recognized. Based upon what we see from Simon in verse number 39, this woman had a reputation in town. She was an outcast of society. She would have been on the, the lowest rung of the ladder, despised and looked down upon. She more than likely, they say she was probably a prostitute in the city. And I imagine that as she entered, she was nervous, probably fearful, awaiting a judgmental tongue lashing from the people in the room. And I picture that she walks in with trembling hands, carrying this alabaster box of ointment to where Jesus was seated. And she begins to weep at the feet of Christ. And our text tells us in verse number 38, she washed his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with the hairs of her head and she kissed his feet. She takes that box of ointment and she, she pours it out over the Christ's feet and the, the fragrance of that oil fills the room. Friend, this is outrageous. First, for a woman to be in the room not serving table culturally, that's not happening. That's unacceptable. Beyond that, for a woman like this to be in the room and touching Christ is disgraceful. And beyond that, this ointment that she's pouring upon him has been bought with filthy, adulterous money. There is nothing about this situation that is acceptable to the people in the room, much less acceptable to someone who claims to be a rabbi and more so claims to be the son of God. And do you see Christ's reaction here? 
He says nothing. He's silent. He doesn't stop her. He doesn't discourage her. He doesn't berate her or judge her. No, he welcomes this sincere offering. He seems to be pretty okay with what is taking place. And we learn something of Christ here that we see over and over and over again in the gospels. And it is this, Christ welcomes sinners. Earlier in Luke chapter number five, after calling Matthew to be his follower, Jesus is eating, the Bible says, with a great company of publicans and of others. And when challenged on why he ate and drank with publicans and sinners, what did Jesus say? I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Earlier in this very chapter and in in last week's passage of Matthew 11, Jesus points out the accusations being made against him. And what was that accusation? That he was a friend of publicans and sinners. In Luke 15, before one of the most famous parables in all of the Bible, what do we find in verse one? That the publicans and sinners were drawing near to Jesus. And in Luke chapter number 19, as Jesus passed through Jericho, he went to Zacchaeus' house and the people around were not okay with it. They murmured because he was gone to be a guest in the house of a man that they called a sinner. Is this because Christ is soft on their sin? So they felt comfortable in his presence? No, not at all. I believe it's because they know that he knows exactly who they are and he still wants to be with them anyways. It's because they're responding to his gospel call in faith. And as we'll see later on in this text, it's because Christ's mission was singular. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man is to come to seek and to save that which was lost. Christ's heart and focus was and still is toward sinners. And I can say with confidence this morning, as you should too, if you are upright and breathing, praise God, Christ welcomes sinners. Oh, we may not be that kind of a sinner. You know what I mean? We all have those people that, oh, I'm not that kind of a sinner. But Christ's reception is still the same. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to what? Save sinners of whom I am chief. Romans 5, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God commendeth, he demonstrated his love toward us when while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Friend, no matter what has happened in your past, no matter what your present may currently look like, and no matter what your future may hold, Jesus, the friend of sinners, welcomes you to himself. And brothers and sisters, this should be the hallmark of our Christianity. No matter who a person is, no matter where they come from, they should be welcomed by those that bear the name of Christ. And I believe it is safe to say shame on us, the American church, because I believe the world looks at us believers and moves on from our Savior, not because of anything our Savior has done, but because we have demonstrated a partial, biased, unwelcoming representation of him. Friend, the church should be the most receptive, welcoming group of people on the face of the earth. Not dismissive of sin, because just as Jesus, he judges sin. But welcoming, 
inviting sinners to come to know the Jesus that we know and be transformed by his remarkable love. Friend, the grace of Christ is this. He welcomes sinners to himself. Christ welcomes sinners. But we see the grace of Christ displayed again. And number two, Christ pardons sinners. Look in verse 39. It says, now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Simon is shocked. He's absolutely blown away. He's frustrated. And he says within his own heart, if this prophet really knows who this woman is and what she does, he would have refused her. He would have stopped this insane display because this woman is a sinner. And Jesus, knowing Simon's heart, he says in verse number uh, 40, he says, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. And listen to what he says. He says, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Jesus tells a parable. In this parable, there are two men that owe a creditor money. One owes 500 pence, the other owes 50 pence. But the emphasis is not upon the amount that they owed. The emphasis is upon the fact that they had nothing to pay. They had no way to make up the debt that they owed. So in the parable, the creditor, instead of forcing them to pay what they could or even throwing them into debtor's prison, the Bible says that he frankly forgave them both. Or another way to say that is he graciously forgave both of them. They could do nothing to fix their own situation. So the creditor took care of it himself. He forgave their debts and that was that. And Jesus looks at Simon and he asks the question. He says, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon, of these two debtors, which is going to love the creditor most? In verse 43, Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. You see, Jesus, by teaching that both debtors in the story, regardless of the amount, had nothing to pay, is telling Simon, look, man, you and this woman are exactly alike. You're both sinners. And you both have nothing to pay. The difference is she realizes it and you do not. Look what he says to Simon in verse 44. He says, and Jesus, and he, Jesus turned to the woman and said unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. He tells Simon, Simon, I came into your house. You didn't even wash my feet, but this woman has with her tears washed my feet and dried them with their hair. You didn't give me the ceremonial kiss of greeting, but this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil when I came in, but Simon, this woman has poured out expensive, precious ointment on my feet. He's showing Simon that Simon valued Jesus little and that this sinful woman valued Jesus much. It's a response of love. The fact of the matter is this parable isn't about the amount of debt, but the grace of the creditor. George Wilson and James Porter both robbed a United States mail carrier back in the 1830s, and they were captured and tried in a court of law. In May of 1830, both men were found guilty of six charges, including robbery of the mail and putting the life of the driver in jeopardy. Both Wilson and Porter received their sentences. 
execution by hanging to be carried out on July the 2nd. Porter was executed on schedule, but Wilson was not because Wilson had some friends who begged the President of the United States, Andrew Jackson, on his behalf. And Jackson issued a formal pardon, dropping all charges. However, Wilson turned it down. He walked away. He could have walked away a free man. Instead, he died for the crimes he committed. He didn't have to, but he rejected the pardon for his crimes. And Jesus is showing us here. It's not about the the level of the crime, but about the pardon of the creditor. Remember something. Whether you esteem yourself a 50 or 500 pence sinner today, you are still a sinner. The Bible makes that so clear. As it is written, there is one righteous. No, there is none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ecclesiastes, the preacher said, for there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. But by his death and resurrection, Christ offers to forgive you of your sin, to erase your debt. Friend, you have nothing to pay and you will never have enough to pay that debt. And yet Christ will pardon and forgive you anyways. He, 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 he will pardon your sin and brother and sister. That means if you couldn't pay it, you can't pay it today. You, you have been credited the unsearchable riches of Christ to your account. Therefore, you don't have to worry about trying to pay it back. Christ has pardoned you. The grace of Christ is that he welcomes sinners, that he pardons sinners. And then finally, we see Christ saves sinners. Look at verse 47. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Jesus has just changed this woman's life. You can read verse 48 and 50 together as one statement. He says, thy sins are forgiven. Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. The one person in the room that shouldn't have received anything has received everything. The one person in the room that should have been condemned has been forgiven. The one person that deserved to be put down has been raised up. And Jesus says that her sins were forgiven and that her faith saved her. I see, I believe that Jesus says that her faith saved her. And we can safely say from that, that this woman came to Jesus believing he could forgive her, that he would change her life. Her actions earlier in this text aren't meant to earn her anything. They're a display of her faith in Christ. And as Christ explains through the parable, she had nothing to pay anyways. So even the most impressive offering falls short and leaves her indebted to Christ. And he forgives her anyway. Not because she did the right things, but because she had faith in Christ. And he sends her away with comforting words. He says, go in peace. Now in Christ, she could live the rest of her life in peace, knowing true peace because of the salvation and forgiveness of Christ. And this is the amazing truth of this entire passage. Christ, the creditor, looks upon debt-ridden sinners with grace. He sees all of the sin, all of it. That should like honestly freak us out a little bit. 
like in a holy, reverential way. That Christ sees all of your sin. He's not blind to it, but he forgives it anyway. And the truth of the matter is this, when a creditor forgives a debtor, the creditor takes the loss. The creditor absorbs the financial hit. And Christ came and died on the cross for our sin, settling our sin debt for us, absorbing the debt of our sin upon himself. His forgiveness cannot be earned, the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. No measure of hard work or expensive gifts or fancy spiritual footwork will grant us the forgiveness of Christ. It is only granted to those that respond to him by faith. And brothers and sisters, don't stop coming to him again and again by faith. Don't take up living your Christian life as some strange solo project, attempting by your endless work to repay God for the debt he has already forgiven. That's what we talked about last week. We're tired. We're weary. We're heavy laden. Why? Because a lot of time we're trying to pay back a debt we're not meant to repay. Friend, you have been sent off in peace. So stop adding unnecessary turmoil. Be busy about the work of Christ, yes, but root that labor in the peace and acceptance and justification and forgiveness that you have in Christ. As I like to say so many times, I've heard many others say it, labor from acceptance, not for it. So what's the, what's the ultimate call today? The same as last week. Come to Christ. He welcomes the sinner to himself. He offers pardon full and free. He will save you. So respond to him. Respond in faith to the God who saves. Rest your faith, not in anything you could possibly do, but what in Christ has done. And then tomorrow morning, say, God, you have, you have saved me. I rest in that. And then Tuesday morning, wake up and say, God, you have saved me. Rest in that. And when you turn 80 years old, or some of you already got there, rest in the forgiveness and grace of Christ. In John chapter 6, Jesus shares a comforting word with us sinners. He says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Friend, come to Christ. I can tell you with confidence, he won't cast you out. This woman came and she was welcomed and pardoned and saved. She was not cast out and you won't be either. Commenting on this verse, John Bunyan wrote this. For this word in no wise cuts the throat of all objections. And it was dropped by the Lord Jesus for that very end. And to help the faith that is mixed with unbelief. And it is, as it were, the sum of all promises. Neither can any objections be made upon the unworthiness that you find in yourself that this promise will not assail. He continues, but I am a great sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I am an old sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. 
But I'm a hard-hearted sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I'm a backsliding sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have served Satan all my days, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have sinned against light, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have sinned against mercy, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have no good thing to bring with me, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. This promise was provided to answer all objection and does answer them. Friend, he will in no wise cast you out. His compassions fail not. It extends to you today. So come to him. Come to him. Oh, I've been saved for so many years. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. And just like we, we remembered last week, if you knew his heart, you would. His heart is full of grace. His heart welcomes you. His heart has pardoned you. He will save you. Come to him. Friend, he will in no wise cast you out. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.